This week's episode of Here's Our Own Get Podcast is brought to you in part by the Itty Bitty Titty Committee. The Itty Bitty Titty Committee supporting people not as great as Dolly Parton for uh, generations. Visit ittybittytittycommittee.com and see how you can help support the small breastuses. to Here's What I Don't Get from North to South, East to West, the only intercontinental podcast to tackle all of life's toughest issues and the longest consecutively running podcast on the See You Next Tuesday podcast network. I am your host, Tab Byrne, and join me from the great red state of North Carolina, it's Uncle Buck! Yeah! Welcome back, buddy. Man, it's good to be here. Uh, Another one of those uh, carrier landing episodes for me. Yeah. Most of them are at this point, I think. Yeah. Uh, I've got my Diet Coke Tall Boy. I've got my Summit Cola from Aldi (laughs) because I'm poor. Yeah. I bought this at at a uh, gas station today. I saw they had these like 16-ounce cans, and I was like, that's the perfect size for a soda. It is. 20 ounces is too much. 12 ounces is too little. 16 ounces, that's the perfect size for a soda. Especially in a can because – Cans are great because they can initially be colder, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they at least taste colder. But they lose their coldness, I think, more quickly. Yeah. And so you, if you have like twenty ounces in a can, it it gets warm too quickly. You don't get to enjoy the crispness and the freshness and that little burn in the in throat the from throat. the yeah. Well, see, the thing I don't like, you know, twenty ounce bottles, right? They because they have that resealable lid, you're like, oh, well, I, I can finish this at any time. Whereas a can is like, I got to get through this fucking thing. I have nowhere to put it. It's a commitment. Yeah. And so you end up like putting the lid on your 20 ounce bottle and you come back to an hour later and it's warm, but you paid, you know, dollar fifty for it or whatever. And so you just choke down the last few ounces of worthless sludge. And then if you think you're going to be smart and like put it in the fridge to keep it cold, but then you come back and it's, it's totally flat. flat. Yeah. Now, I have a CO2 rig and a little carbonator cap, so I can fix that. Um, we found like a two liter in the back of our fridge that had been flat for like a month. And I was like, watch this, Aunt Buck. And I put the carbonator thing on there and took it downstairs and into the garage where my CO2 thing is. And so in case it leaks, it doesn't kill us all in our sleep. Mm-hmm. And I went back up there and took the cap off. It was like, like a champagne bottle. It was amazing. She was like, wow, this tastes just like it did the day we got it. And I was like, that's right. I know things. I'm, I'm good at stuff. There has to be a better way. Yeah. Um, and also I just like carbonated water. So, but it's really, I do. Um, That's weird. So remember that restaurant that I took you to the hot dog place? Yeah. Um, when I was working there as a teenager, uh, and if you work in the restaurant business, you know, this, there's like a rack somewhere in the back of like, these bags of uh, soda syrup and then a CO2 tank. And then there's like a a little auger that mixes it inside the machine. It's a whole deal. And um, sometimes the CO2 tank would run out. Uh, So, or no, I'm sorry, the, the, not the CO2 tank, the, um, the the syrup would run out. Yeah. And so you'd get something that, and we had this cherry drink that was very popular with the 13s community. And um, is it cheer wine? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, no, okay. we, we do have cheer wine or we did. We got it. But this is like, a, I think the brand was patio, patio cherry. And it was, it patio was popular furniture. among certain, certain <laughs> portions of the population. Um, and I actually invented code red because I would take Mountain Dew and just a little shot of that patio cherry. And it was, it was code red, like 
10 years before it came out. So I invented that. They owe me a lot of money at this point. It's not like Howard Stern. Uh, yeah, Robin, uh, that uh, I cherry code red, Mountain Dew code red. Yeah, I invented that. I invented that. I did. I did. Um, they sent one of their spies. They were spying on me at 16 uh, because they knew. They knew. They knew. So anyway, um, but the cherry, uh, even when the syrup ran out, the stuff would still come out of the fountain red. And so people wouldn't know. And they'd be like, oh, my God, your cherry soda tastes terrible. And I'd get a cup full of it and go, oh, yeah, we need to change the thing. And after a while, I developed a taste for it. The, just the carbonated water. So that's weird. Yeah. I mean, look who you're talking to, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's no calories to it. That, that's, that's a fair point. I, so <laughs> I've been, um, I've been taking this glass blowing class for the last few weeks since, since basically the beginning of January. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of get down on myself. Not, I, well, I don't really get down on myself. Sometimes I get frustrated with my work because I'm, not immediately like I, perfect. I'm not uh, accomplishing exactly what I set out to. But last week, um, we have this visiting artist coming. And mm-hmm. and so he came into the shop on Thursday. Thursday is my shop day. I have a early slot and then classes in the evening. And so there's this, this span in between where there's a, you know, other people working. And he came in to work during that slot. And I started talking to him and we're, you know, chatting about life and and blowing glass and how much I enjoy this or that. And, um, and so then, then he left and I got home that night and I started Googling this guy and I got to kind of help with what they were working on. They were pulling cane, which are long, thin rods of, of, uh, glass that have a color in them so that he could eventually use them for another project. And so I was, I, I was vaguely helping them with that. So then I got home and I was like, I need to Google this guy and find out what he's done, what he's done. Pretty much every museum in the country that has a glass exhibit has a piece in his of his, including the Smithsonian and the White House. This guy is like a big deal in the American studio glass movement from the 80s, like responsible for bringing the art of glass blowing to the United States. And I was like, holy shit. I touched the face of God. <laughs> this this guy. No, it was not that. It was that this guy was talking to me like we were on the same level, like just. Two, oh, yeah. So he was su- such a professional, nice guy. Talking shop. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was like, what an amazingly down to earth, normal person that to just and to take an interest in what someone who's been doing it for all of like a month has like what I thought. And, and so I was like, I was just astounded. It was like one of the coolest things in my life. You know, they say, don't meet your heroes. And obviously this guy's not like my hero by any stretch of the imagination. He wasn't, wasn't, but because he was so like cool and down to earth, it's like, man, I hope, I hope everyone that I meet is like this in this kind of this field. Oh boy. Are you set up for disappointment? Yeah, probably so. It's like, I hate when you meet someone, when you have one of those experiences that's right out the gate, so, so great. And then like nothing else will ever kind of measure up to how great it was. You're like so chasing I, the dragon. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, it was really cool. And then I, and then I was kind of like, I got to help this guy kind of start making his stuff and he's going to be back more times in that window that I don't have anything to do. And I'm like, well, I'm fucking I'm just Sucking hanging out and, yeah. and again, I'm going to watch anything that, and everything that happens because the other, so my partner in the early slot, she says, Oh, I might hang out and see what they're, what they are doing. And then she just fucked off and left and disappeared. And I'm the only person there. And I was like, well, Chicks. I, I got this opportunity and none of you, none of the other people did. And not because I'm special, but just because I was willing to be here. So 
That was just doing cool. the bare minimum. Yeah, just standing, just like being standing and being present and listening, keeping your eyes open. Yeah, yeah. Probably everyone else you, you're going to meet in that field is going to be like me, who's just a gigantic <laughs> asshole who's going to like dunk on you at every moment and belittle you for their own. They're going to be like that. That's your that's your cup. Look at how like bulbous the bottom is. You suck. That's I'm a beaker. Feel sad. Like if you throw that on the ground, a door might appear. I mean, I just, why'd you make that? <laughs> Anyway, well, uh, do you have anything more? Yeah, do you have anything more you want to catch? People may feel like we're rushing through this, but Buck's time is a lot more limited than the other hosts. So I try and like expedite the process of the show. I'm already over budget. No, I think I'm good for tonight. Um, I will say this. Uh, This is not an issue that I'm bringing in. This is just something that I'm very relieved. And that is that basketball is over. And I don't mean NBA kids. Yeah, I mean, my kids basketball season is over. Thank God. I, don't get me wrong. I, I cherish I cherish my children and I want their lives to be enriched. But God, we're never doing that again. We paid we paid an exorbitant amount of money for jerseys that we didn't get to keep every Monday what? and Friday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah, bullshit. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Um, Every Monday and Friday was two hours of take because we have two kids and they both did basketball. So uh, and we paid that exorbitant amount for both of them. Uh, which is money that we didn't have at the time. And then each one of them has practice for an hour and they're not concurrent. They're consecutive. So, and the, uh, the school they're at doesn't at this time have its own gymnasium. So the gymnasium they're borrowing from a school that is shut down and defunct is about five minutes from the house, but there's no one using the gym for most time. So that means in the winter time, it stays ice cold, ice cold. So it would be like going to watch, hockey except it's your kids and it's not hockey it's it's, it's miserably cold all the parents are in there the lights uh let, let me let me put this in put this in, in perspective the decorations for the school that was there and their teams i think the most recent exposition they must have had there the most recent year they were active was 1995 so um cuz they're still it's like almost 30 years of just nothing so the ceiling is falling. It looks like this. It looks like a basketball court from Fallout Four. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> like the ceiling is falling in. The lights, uh, the the lights sound like a swarm of bees. Just, uh, and it's very very gloomy and cold. And there's refuse everywhere. And the walls are also shabby. Uh, and you keep finding still, bottle caps, but they're not actually worth anything. Yeah. And then like sometimes raiders come in and like threaten, threaten your community. And I keep trying to build this generator, but my science rating isn't high enough yet. So, um, and then anyway, you got trapped in a dungeon and you'll never escape. Yeah. I started over. <laughs> I did it. I, I tried to play red dead redemption, uh, which as we, as we mentioned, and I was like, you know what, but this pissed me off. So I went back to start my game over in Fallout 4, and I had removed it from my Xbox to make space for Red Dead Redemption. And then when I reinstalled it, none of the uh, mods, or, or all of the um, the DLCs that I had purchased, or, or, or I guess I had bought a package, and only one of them reinstalled. And the other ones were like, oh, we don't have that one in this package anymore. You're just out of luck. So then I had to go and buy all of the DLCs in one and it was only like 12 bucks, but for me, that's a lot of money right now. So I was like, I had to tell Aunt Buck, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about spending another $12 on a video game. What do you think about that? And she was like, what'd you say? Like, I was thinking about spending $12 on a video game. It's like, 
you're stop mumbling. You just tell me I'm thinking about spending $12 on a video. She's like, it's just $12. I was like, yeah, but it's a pride thing for me because I'm poor and I don't want to spend money on me because then I feel like I'm, I'll let anyone else spend money on whatever. But as soon as I like spend 10 cents on me, I feel like I'm the problem. Yeah. And realistically, I, think, I probably I think am. That'll tie into my issue really nicely. Speaking Good. of Fallout 4, though, before we move on, I, uh, Buck, I, I went back to the old drug. Uh oh. <laughs> so I downloaded, I, I popped open my Switch, uh, for something. Oh, for Goldeneye. You remember Goldeneye? They released it for Switch. Yeah. And did, did you try and play okay? that? No, uh, because I couldn't afford it. Oh, the, the, Control. So I I activated Nintendo Switch Online like last year, and I have no plans to renew it. And so I was like, "Well, I'll check it out while I still have it for another couple months." Why not? And, and um, I tried to play like, Goldeneye, and the controls are completely broken. And I heard it, that it's just complete. It's completely unplayable. It's uh. So I I was like, "Well, I can't fucking do that." So then I was like, "Maybe I'll play some Mario Kart again." But I kind of I'm I'm over the interest of playing that again. Yeah. And so then I I opened up my the old mistress, uh, Skyrim. Yep. I had 170 plus hours on that playthrough on the Switch. And then I was like, "Oh, what is this fishing thing that's in new new in this anniversary update?" And I started. I spent twelve. To, I spent I got up to 197 hours so I guess I spent like 27 hours fishing in Skyrim <laughs> and then I discovered that there are there's all this other anniversary update content that is you're supposed to discover through a normal playthrough but I've completed everything in that switch version of the game and so I was like well only one thing to do <laughs> I started diving a new through all the new playthrough stuff. yeah but but yeah. I am now like 15 or something hours in and I have not even touched the main quest line. I got out of Helgen and I was like, I'm going to go straight for the steed stone and then work my way around the top of the map to uh, the Dawn guard base. Playing by your own rules. Yeah. So there are no dragons and I have no, none of the shout powers, which is very different. I've never played the game without just having fire breath or Fusro da almost constantly equipped. So I'd like be in a battle with someone and they'd be fucking me up and I'd just be like, why don't you back off for a minute? Anyway. Well, you're yeah. ready to get back into some issues. Let's do it. Let's go ahead and do yours. Uh, no, let's do yours. Are you sure? Yeah, you have to go first. Okay, that's fine. That's the format. All right. So uh, a caveat, I I don't know precisely how I want to phrase this, so I'm going to do it on the fly, and it's gonna I'm going to get it wrong. So here's what I don't get. Mandatory overblown cutesy bullshit work meetings. Is that fair enough? That's, that's fair enough. Um, and I know I talk about work issues a lot, but work is, you know, I spend a lot of my time there. And so, uh, we have, a uh, listen, let me, let me, there was a time for a couple of months there where I had to be cautious about what I said about work because one of my, uh, higher ups approached me was like, Hey, don't you have a podcast? I was like, no, who's, who's asking? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the whole uncle buck thing came from on your, on your hard hat. Right. Who's asking, well, what's the name of your podcast? Who's asking? I'm asking, uh, who is like, you know, one step below a plant manager. I'm like, because here's what I don't give. Please don't listen to it because I talk about work on there. And I do, you know, so I had to like, you know, now that I was on their radar and I knew that I was on their radar, I had to kind of like start, 
being cautious. But then that person quit. So um, a lot of our a lot of our supervisors quit, which is alarming. And I'm kind of curious what's going on. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and start talking trash about work again. <laughs> so there's a certain woman at work who has the power and authority to uh, call meetings and to hold meetings and, and they're, and they're mandatory. It's like, Oh, we have to listen to this person. Yeah. And she and I have had a, a pretty good history of getting along uh, until we don't. And there's been some times where I've done some things on purpose that probably didn't sit too well with her. Uh, and you know, her doing her job doesn't sit well with me. Uh, so she pulls us into a mandatory meeting and the, it's the kind that like, you know, is going to happen. Like, like there's safety meetings and quality meetings and blah, 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 blah. She pulls us in for like a quality training. And, um, she's like, we're going to do things a little bit different today. And I was like, I have a truck coming in 30 minutes. So let's not get too wild about this. Like, you know, these, these trainings take a good half hour. Let's just get it done with and maybe try the cutesy thing when I don't have stuff immediately necessary to do. So no, no, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So she then proceeds to lead us into this game that is literally jeopardy with topics about work. And I was like, and with a full range, the full jeopardy board of questions. And like, she divided us into teams and we had to like, yeah. And then like, um, which if I didn't, have a time constraint or a job to do before I could go home. Uh, and people would be angry with me for not being there when I was supposed to be there and would not understand that I was trapped in an unnecessarily long cutesy bullshit meeting. So, um, yeah, that's the thing is the meetings. So for people that like work at a desk, right. All the time, a meetings escape, like they escape from their, their, hell of being alone and doing nothing whereas people who have productivity to do and know that if they don't like complete the productivity meetings are just time ticking away that they can't get back well so i think it's more like this well like when i was running the palletizer and i was on a forklift let the meeting last forever i'm not palletizing i'm not out there being actively mauled by a bear at any given moment so uh, that was that was one thing but like this is a i'm now in an area temporarily where like if I'm productive enough and I plan well and I execute well, I can affect the outcome of my day significantly. And I, you know, you put me in a situation where I can affect change around me in a way that benefits me. I'm going to perform pretty well. It turns out I'm actually a very productive person uh, and very proactive. And I, I do things in an orderly manner and I come up with ways to make things work more efficiently. And it's just, it's a good, God, it's a good feeling to be like, Oh, I, I make a difference now and yeah. my, my productivity directly affects some sort of outcome for me. Maybe not necessarily my paycheck, but, uh, I can, I can get you the job like done or something and know that like I did this great. And it's not like I'm going to come in tomorrow and it never happened. Like this stuff that I get done today, it carries over. So when I was like, Oh, we're going to be in here and the truck driver that's coming for this product is going to sit there for, however long this takes and he's going to be mad. And then that's going to throw him behind because he has to like, go make this delivery, then come back to get the next product. Uh, and if the Adolf, next Hitler, not- Adolf, Adolf Hitler was denied entry to art school, one thing led to another and the, the United States know- of America dropped two atomic bombs in the sovereign nation of Japan. 
It's a butterfly effect. And yeah. the butterfly was the one tattooed on her arm while she told us that we had to answer all of the Jeopardy questions before we could then begin the actual training. No, no, that's not how Jeopardy works. So they go to commercial after 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, this is, uh, they're not that creative. If they had the, uh, the, the, our, our, our ad agency that we get our ads from, maybe we could have a commercial that yeah. would pay us. But, um, no, so there's like an hour and a half and I'm like, Hey guys, like I, you know me, I will be polite to a point. Yeah. Then at beyond that point, like the hat and the shades come out and I'm like, Hey, we need to like fucking knock this off. I've got work to do. And I'll, I'll start out by saying like, Hey, can, you know, I got, I got a guy waiting. Can we wrap this up? And then like five minutes later, I'm going to say it a little less professionally. And then five minutes after that, I'm going to say it maybe at a slightly different, uh, timbre, uh, and maybe a little more, a, a little more slurs. And then you, and then this, uh, what do you call this? 45 uh, minutes later, you get fired. 45 minutes without having had a drop of alcohol, uh, someone has been assaulted or molested in some way that wasn't even in the room. It's just this magically, magically these terrible things happen because I was not placated. So then this meeting took forever and then they're like, Oh, Hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? We've decided in a double jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my, my team won, by the way. My nice. team won because of me and one other person. But um, because I would answer the questions, get us done with. Yeah. So um, then they're like, hey, so, you know, we've been having these uh, opportunities for improvement around the plant. This is the, I think the way they tend, tend to colloquialize it, euphemize it, whatever. Uh, so they're like, hey, we're going to have these pit team meetings. And we're going to have like one every two weeks. And everybody will get to attend one. Well, my position kind of puts me to where I touch every department because I don't have one specific place. I'll like be here for a while and then I'll be here for a while and I'll be back and forth. So guess who has to attend all of the pit team meetings? Oh, God. That sounds awful. And so the pit team meetings, you'd think, okay, so we go in. I think in the last time I was on the show, I called him Brian, the guy who kept accusing me of things without accusing me. Yeah. So that guy, he's leading them and he's like, uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we got this list of things. We're going to let you, first off, we're going to let you give us topics that you want to talk about. You're going to talk about topics and then we're going to come up with ideas and you're going to come up with the ideas of how we're going to make things, uh, you know, the things we're going to try we're going to make things better. We're going to make things work. And so, but then you would tell them like, well, here's, here's the problem that we've had for the past 15 years. And every time you've asked us this problem, Ask us what problems we have. We said, hey, this is a problem. And then you promptly say, cool, we'll get right on that. And then we don't either. We have another meeting a year later where we tell you the same thing. It's like a quaint little dance that we do that no one actually accomplishes anything. It's just it's like it's a ceremony, you know? Yeah. It's the ceremony that we go through. We have to tick the box of pretending that we care what you plate peons think. And like it's 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 quaint and it's pleasant. We have accepted that nothing's going to change. We're dour and uh, nihilistic, and we have a terrible uh, attitude about our employment and where we work, but we've accepted it, and we've kind of made peace with it. And so, like, once a year, we go and we have daylight donuts, and we talk about things, and nothing changes. But this year, 
This year he's like, oh, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to change it. We're going to change it. Look, we're going to come up with the ideas and we're going to stick to it because that's how you make progress around here. I'm like, okay, sure, sure, sure. Here's the problem. He goes, okay, so here's, uh, so, so what's, what's your solution? What can we do about it? Well, um, if we did this, this, and this, that would fix the problem. Okay, so here's why that's not going to work. Like, uh, I mean, at least he's telling us no. Yeah, well, so you that's, come up, yeah. Like, we understand, and we would love to do that, but for this reason, we can't. So come up with another idea. I was like, how about we document for, because it, can't, it turned into a money issue. So corporate needed to see how much this was a problem. Because I said, if you want to show corporate that they need to spend the money, how about we just hang a clipboard and a marker? And like every time the problem comes up, we go, takes two seconds. And then, then at the end of two weeks, whenever we come back for this meeting, I'll say this problem happened 57 times in one day, which it did. It absolutely fucking did, but shocked me all to pieces. It shouldn't have, but it did. So, um, they're like, okay, so we're going to send that information to uh, to corporate, and uh, we'll get back to you. But this meeting was about fifteen topics long, and about I don't know, way way more time in each topic than was really necessary. And this is going to happen now every two weeks, and there's Until at least dead. well, and it's every two weeks, and I'm attached to multiple areas, so every two weeks I'm going to have to attend probably seven meetings. Oh. Like I came to work today and I was like, oh, they have like we did a pit team meeting last week. What's this? Oh, I have to attend a pit team meeting for this place and for this place. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is going to be this is going to be terrible. I just kind of want to die. So I'm uh, I'm actively going to start looking for other employment that pays what I pay, which I'm never going to find because they pay me way more than I should make for train monkey work. The, the thing about the cutesy shit and meetings like the Jeopardy. So my my employer, when I moved back to Tulsa, um, I, I was hired as the as the head electrician. We had a head carpenter. We had a head head audio. And then we had two other multifunction technicians that didn't handle the main stage. Right. So we get to this meeting. Um, it's June I think we had monthly staff meetings on like the third Wednesday of the month or whatever, whatever the week was, whatever recurring day. And so the June meeting where we finished the last season and we're, we're about to like, we're kind of in this mid summer season. We'll do a couple little productions, but then, you know, the main season, we're going to start having, you know, 2022, 2023-2024 season shows starting in August, August, September. Right. And uh, so the, they have everyone go around the table. This is big. There's like 30, 35 people in this meeting, right? Uh, everyone go around the table and tell us what show you're excited about next season. No. And, and we go, you know, and, and all the office workers, the people that don't work in theater, they, they're like, Oh, I'm really looking forward to Hamilton. Or I'm really looking forward to this opera. Or I'm really looking forward to this, this, you know, book of Mormon. Or I'm really looking forward to pretty woman coming to town. And then we get over to the head sound and the head sound is more curmudgeonly than I am. Um, but he's been there for a very, very long time. And he knows he's the best sound guy in Oklahoma. He might be the, the best sound guy in the Southwest region where, I mean, we're talking about like, apex of his field he's he's nationally known 
having never traveled anywhere in the country as a professional <clears throat> sound engineer because he's on all of the like forums for sound and he's helping troubleshoot shit in venues that aren't his all across the all across America, right? So it com- comes around to him and he says what all of us theater technicians are thinking, which is I'm really not looking forward to any shows coming up. I the things I look forward to aren't here. I don't really care about the show. I just do the work. I'm here for the paycheck. Which, yeah. And the craft itself. The craft is, and so that upset the very, very um, face-needing asshole CEO that we had. And so he had our boss try and find a way to fire him. And within, within about a week and a half, this head sound was given his walking papers. They walked into the office. They brought him into another room and they said, uh, here are all of these things you need to leave. So he, he's escorted out of the building. And, um, one of the, one of the lower theater technicians who had been there for an even longer amount of time, who knew things immediately, he sees what's happening in the office. Cause we had one shared office, the five of us, he gets up and walks out. He waits Kudos. until he, he waits until he sees the sound guy driving away, pops open his phone, calls him and goes, sound guy, you need to call a labor lawyer right now, right now. And you need to tell what happened that, that what they have done is illegal. You need to, to handle it, to, to get this fixed. So he does. He follows this guy's advice, calls a labor lawyer. It's taken to arbitration. Arbitration finds in favor of the employee. He's reinstated. He immediately hands in his resignation and tells them to fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. At that point, like, you have to. Yeah, yeah. Point, you have to. I wouldn't have. I would have shown up every fucking day and I would have sat in my boss's office and done nothing and just been like, hey, remember that time you tried to get me fired last week? Yeah, man, that shit was crazy. Uh, And so, but so the point of that being not participating in the cutesy shit almost cost this man his career. Well, which is ridiculous. And then, and the thing is, they didn't learn from that. Every fucking meeting, it was like, oh, what's your favorite dish for Thanksgiving? Oh, where are you going to travel for, th- for for your summer vacation? It was always some stupid shit. Go around the table and tell, it's like the fucking now we have to do it every meeting. It's like, it, and everyone's like, oh, tell us your preferred pronouns and what you're doing on this production. It's like, fuck me. Look at this. What pronouns do you think I use? Figure it out. Um... Yeah, they're doing that to try and like, there's this thing that bothers me, this top down attempt at like fostering community or, Mm -hmm. or or teamship or something. Um, And teamship comes from like people who, who work together, who've, who spent time elbow to elbow and And struggled and, and built mutual respect because of mutual effort. Yeah. And then you're like, I know that. I know that like this guy is worth his salt because when we had X, Y, Z problem last time, he came up with a great solution. He put in the effort. He, he was a professional. He did his job. He went above and beyond if necessary. And like, I just, I know that in a pinch, this guy is going to take care of me. That's a good guy. Yeah. Not, um, I know that Sally likes green bean casserole. Therefore green bean casserole is disgusting. And I hope she dies. Yeah, and there'll always be this divide between, like, office workers and people that actually create work. 
or or create a product. Um, <clears throat> and and it, I don't think it, I don't think that those the people up there in the meetings, I don't think that they understand. Um, and so I, I learned really quickly in that job that you have to play politics with those fucking people up there in the office because they they're not people like you and me. They don't understand that I work in theater. I work in theater. I've worked in theater my entire life. I mean, my entire professional career has been theater. I hate theater. I don't like going to concerts. I don't like seeing plays. I hate musicals. I don't really care for opera. I do kind of like ballet. Like, I just, I hate theater. And when I tell people that I hate theater, they're like, well, why do you work in it? Because I enjoy the problem solving. I don't, I couldn't go into an office job and have them like throw me <laughs> random things and go, how are we going to do this? We have this four by eight platform that's, that's in the deck. How are we going to pick that up? There's a hundred ways to do it. And I get to, I get to pick one. That's what I enjoy. And I don't really give a shit. All the, all the details. Yeah. I don't really give a shit about what they get up on stage and dance around and do. I care about all of the stuff that happens prior to that to make that possible. I totally uh, get that. I, if I could, I would just do all of that and never do a show. It would just be like, here's, you know, here's a hundred thousand dollars a year. Just kind of fiddle around and fix shit. We'll mail you a problem once a month and you give it, you, you mail us back your solution and you will just send you a check. That'd be the perfect job. Never talk to anybody. But that's not but an the, option. No, you, you can't be Tony Stark in a cave with a box of scraps. You actually yeah. have to like, they have to define what you're doing. I get it. I get it. I will say that um, it's not always that the people uh, starting and holding meetings are are not the same as you on the floor. Um, there are some people that are in our management that I respect a lot, yeah. a lot. Enough that I stopped talking trash about work on the show for a brief time. But then there are some people who have proven through their track record that they might be a nice person to sit and have a conversation with, but they're terrible at their job and they have put your company at risk in ways that you can't discuss on a podcast without losing your job. And that you have maybe once or twice in the past couple of months been like, maybe this, like maybe I'm being paranoid or maybe I need to start looking for another job because I'm starting to see writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, you know, when, when there's one person who has um, consistently over the past couple of years, you know, like this has propped up maybe four or five times where something major has happened because they dropped the ball and they weren't doing their job. They were like uh, penny wise and pound foolish, uh-huh. as, as they say. And you're like, huh, maybe you're less likely to be charitable when they have a, a, a cutesy meeting and you're like, maybe you should just let me get back to my job. Before, yeah. before something else happens. And I'm not saying that as a threat. I'm saying like before you screw something else up, just, you know, I get it. We have to have this, this meeting for this reason. We have to check this box, maybe just check the box so that I can get back to doing my job. Yeah. Because the, like I have, I have managed to prevent you from thinking that I hate you, but like, that's only going like, and at first I didn't, but that's only going to last so long before you finally realize um, when he smiles at me, it's because he's imagining me getting run over by a train. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not like most union members where I think that management is inherently bad. Uh, Cause I've definitely had good, I've had good managers and bad managers. And I was actually, I was talking to my boss today. We were sitting in her office talking about like upcoming stuff and what's going on. And 
kind of like we were actually doing kind of like informal employee evaluations of some of our staff just just to sit, make sure we were all on the same page. And she asked me flat out, okay, that's all great. How do you feel about st- still working here? Are you like, are you happy? And what do you, what do you think? And I told her the thing that I've always, I've told everyone my entire life, which is I love my work, but I don't always love my job. And she understood what that meant. Yeah. And that's I, a I've, very, that's a very reasonable way to put it. And it yeah. makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people don't get that. They're just like, well, what is that? What you, I don't understand. Like, again, I hate theater, but I like the, I like solving problems. I love my work, but there are days where I'm just like, fuck this job and fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I totally understand that. So well, that's basically the crux of my issue. I could, I could find ways to nickel and dime and add, add minutes to it. But um, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. I will say there is one supervisor in particular who uh, caused me a lot of grief at one point and I, I had lost all respect for. And then I, over over the past few years, they've really shown me, you know, they actually do, they actually are putting in a lot that I didn't see. And like maybe maybe they're not the, the, the douchebag I thought. Like they're still a douchebag, but maybe not as bad as I thought they were. Yeah. And I've, I've come to a grudging respect for this person. And I'm like, you know what? Like, if this weren't my boss, I might would even be his friend. You know, like yeah. I, I understand the like you know the, the conflict of interest. But like, eh, if if I didn't work with this guy, I'd probably hang out with him because he does go and he, like. Now that I see more than I used to, I'm like, oh, this guy does know his shit. So there's a little humility from Uncle Buck for once. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the middle of our episode, which means it's time for... This episode is brought to you in part by the Rikita News Network. Definitely not fake news. Well, I got a news story for you, Buck. Um, Uh Uh-oh. This news story was published February 16th, 2023. Now, for you and me, this is is a rerun. But uh, for... This is actually not from RNN. This is from NBC News. So RNN Uh-oh. was running this news article, you know, five years ago. Should I just go ahead and get mad now? Yeah. Okay. Immunity acquired from a COVID infection. Sorry. My apologies. I made a huge mistake there. Immunity acquired from a China. Vi- Hold on. From a China virus infection provides strong lasting protection against the most severe outcomes of the illness. According to a research Published Thursday in The Lancet, protection experts say that it's on par with what's provided through two doses of an mRNA genetic treatment. Infection acquired immunity cut the risk of hospitalization and death from a China virus reinfection by 88% for at least 10 months, the study found. This is really good news in the sense that protection against severe disease and death after infection is really quite sustained at 10 months, said the senior study author, Dr. Christopher Murray, the director of the Institute for Health Medicine Evaluation at the University of Washington. It goes on and on and on. But the point being that Everyone that called me a retard for saying when you get sick from a thing, you won't get sick from that thing again because it's basic human biology and them going like, no, this is a novel virus. We don't know how it works. Like it's some kind of fucking Andromeda strain. (laughs) Fucking kill yourselves. I was right. You were wrong. Kill yourselves. You know, sometimes you and I don't agree on things, but in this time, this time I agree. Um, (laughs) My, my, 
my my charity towards humanity has gone as all time low (laughs) as it stands there are certain people that i will be very charitable towards um i can i can stand shoulder to shoulder with people who share different views on me on certain things and be like you know what we can put our differences aside you and I, for example, I'm, I'm Christian. You're atheist. Don't care. We stand nope. shoulder to shoulder to gripe about shit because we're brothers and we, that's just what we do. But, but I also think we respect each other's beliefs, like as far as religion goes. Sure. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, we can get as tongue in cheek about it as you want and be like, oh, I respect your right to be wrong. <laughs> but like, I don't I, even I know. I, I wouldn't even say I don't think you're I know, wrong. But, like I'm saying like we respect that we have different life experiences and we have yeah. different motivations for the way we see the world. And I, I get that. And so even if I disagree with you and I think like, maybe I, I see something that you don't, or you see something that I don't like, we, I can respect that you're a mature person who can have a, an opinion about something and that we can have mutual respect. But this, these people that pushed all this COVID nonsense need to absolutely eat a bullet. Yeah. Um, I, I really, honestly, you and I were discussing this on Signal. I think eating a bullet is a little too charitable. So we, yeah, your, solution, your solution was that everyone should be put on an island. Everyone yeah. that pushed the COVID shit should be put on an island and just forced to live under the communist utopia. They should be forced to live in the pod, yeah. eat the bugs, uh, F the T, and um, because I can't say that word on, on YouTube. And, um, uh, and just, you know, uh, really really reap what they sow even more than that. They should really be forced to savor the flavor of everything that they have of their own machinations. And I think I've been watching YouTube and, and those short form videos where they have those, uh, those metal grinding uh, shredders, you know, I'm talking about the ones that are slow that can eat an entire car. Yeah. And I think that someone should be fed into one of those, very, very slowly feet first with blood transfusions into their brain. So their brain, they don't bleed out immediately. And so they're forced to experience. And when I say slowly, I mean, this should take hours. And, um, and I think that they should be forced to experience it the entire time. Well, I respect your will for revenge. My thought is I want them to live under a communist regime where they are just, they live in hell to the point where they long for death. I think, um, as someone, as someone who has felt abject despair to the, like, who's been there, who's been right at the end of the rope, um, yes, likewise, uh, there, there is, there is nothing worse than the emptiness that you feel walking around with that inside of you, that longing for death. And that's yeah. what I want them. I want them to long for death for years. I want them to wish for death every day when they wake up and every night when they go to sleep. I want them to pray to the gods that they don't respect to grant them the sweet release because life is completely unbearable in every aspect of their existence. And I want them to experience that for a long, long time. Yeah, I agree. And so I think you and I can come to a compromise on this. As people who respect each other's opinions, I think that island should have a population limit mm-hmm. and that as as someone uh, as, as a new person is introduced into the island, someone, someone who's been there long enough that they're like purgatory, an, an elder, an elder, <laughs> like purgatory, their their sins haven't been atoned for. But now it's time for them to pay the ultimate price, yeah. which is these. So then they get to 
uh, be sacrificed to the chipper shredder of uh, of eternity. So, and so I, I I've got an in I a lottery I, style. I think I can agree. I don't think I think it should be a lottery. I agree because then it gives you this like false hope that yes. well maybe I'm gonna win. Maybe I'll win and they'll grind me. Maybe I'll win and I can finally be released from this. Or maybe we grind half of you and then cauterize the wound and then send and then you back. put your ass back out on there. We put you on a new island, the <laughs> island of half motherfuckers. And you're fucking walking around on your hands just like, oh. I thought the last island sucked. This island's even worse. And this one everyone just walks around kicking you with like salt laced boots or something. And then when that island gets too full, we put them in the like the arm grinder and then they're just they they we go to the mat island. They're all just laying there just just in the baking sun just like It's just Metallica's oh. one. Ah! I hate Then so much. then you put them in the matrix and yeah. make them go through the entire process just again. Once again, yeah. I, yeah. I just I know I I know I know people are kind of over the whole uh pan hysteria and all that and and I agree, but uh, I, what really upsets me, I used to, so the reason why you and I can respect one another and we can stand shoulder to shoulder despite disagreeing on different issues is because dicks. that, that, and also I don't believe that you're, you believe the things you believe or you do the things that you do out of contempt or malice for other people. I, I believe you have the best of intentions, right or wrong. And like that you, when you, I, I think that you're trying to put more good in the world than there is bad, than you are bad. Right. Except for certain people. Yeah. Except, except for certain people. Um, and I, I used to have this, like this faith in humanity that is gone now where I tended to believe that people in general tried to, they thought that they were doing good. Um, And I also thought that people could learn. And all of the last four years, five years has revealed to me that people do not intend good. They do not intend, you know, they, they, they do not intend to learn because that news story, like, the all of the news stories that you know just it's just like one after another confirming the conspiracy theorists as we talked about with Joel a couple weeks ago and it's buried it's not news it's not you know they were they were on the fucking doing press conferences once a day oh we uh we need to wear a mask you need to do this every fucking day where's the fucking press conference for this hey by the way uh if you got it and you got over it you're just as protected as if you got this fucking needle in your arm for no reason. All those fucking people that wanted <clears throat> you and I sent to camps because we wouldn't get it. You're a fucking moron. And yeah. and they don't they're not faced with being wrong. They don't have to they don't have to apologize, they don't have to admit it, they don't have to accept any new information. In their mind, they were doing good the entire time and they don't have to ever confront the fact that you and <laughs> All the whole like, oh, you're Nazis, you're Nazis. You're, you know, first they came for the Jews and I said nothing because I was a Jew, et et cetera, et cetera. And then they came for me. Uh, Guess who you fucking are in that poem? You're not the Jews. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Speaking of um, assimilating new data, I'm going to go on record and do this in public. Uh, Joel Chaco and I had a, a cordial disagreement where um, 
that basket or, or, or the football player who uh, took the hit, what's his name? And he collapsed on field. Why the fuck would you ask me that, Buck? I, uh, because I know, I, can't I know, name. fuck all about sports. DeMar, I know he was DeMar on Hamlin. the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. So, uh, and then like the entire nation rallied around him and prayed. And he, he made this recovery and he was on TV and all this stuff. And I, someone came at me on Facebook and was like, where's he at? And I was like, he's on TV and he's making, and they're like, no, he's dead, man. He's dead. And I was like, eh, I don't buy that. And so I mentioned it to Joel. I was like, get a load of this guy. And Joel's like, no, I agree with him. I think, I think that guy's dead. I think that's like a, a, a CGI double. deep fake and all this stuff. And I was like, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And then since that conversation, I've, I've seen some things. I'm like, oh, he might be right. Joel might be right <laughs> on that one. I think, I think maybe uh, Chaco was right about everything. So, um, I just want to go. I need that like as an image that I can put on this, the stream. Uh, Chaco is right. I mean, like, <laughs> like credit where credit's due. I love Chaco. He's one of my favorite yeah. guys. Steve so. Buscemi, like <clears throat> times Chaco is right. Just <laughs> add another one to it. <laughs> Dude, put that up. I would love that. I'm sure he would love it. Or actually, he uh, should put that up. He should put that his, up. Yeah, uh, we should, or maybe we should all have one uh, behind us, like mandatory. We should we need to have a mandatory cutesy meeting where we discuss uh, all of us having a chalkboard behind us, not a whiteboard, a chalkboard. Yeah, just where like Glenn put, Beck, where we put uh, how often Chaco was right. I think that would be, I think that would be uh, a great thing. Days without Chaco being right, zero, zero. <laughs> <laughs> and then you like you'll put up like the one, and then Joel or Chaco will post something, and you'll be like, oh, never mind, it just falls off immediately. <laughs> Never mind. I've got a news story here from Dad Cucks, RNN correspondent. So this is back on RNN. You know, this is real news. Uh, Definitely not fake news. Now, we talked about how we have big dicks. And speaking of big dicks, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile falls victim to catalytic converter theft during a Las Vegas stop. <laughs> the iconic Wienermobile was hit by thieves at some point Thursday night while located in the parking lot of the Sonesta Suites on Paradise Road in Las Vegas. The burglary was discovered Friday morning when the crew couldn't get the wiener on wheels to start ahead of a 10 a.m. appearance in the Warm Springs Road. The 27-foot-long Wienermobile was ultimately towed to Penske Truck Rental, uh, where mechanics installed a temporary catalytic, con catalytic converter. Just install a tube. Just put a tube in there, man. Yeah. Nobody's going to know. Straight pipes. Uh, Everyone's going to know my wiener's coming. Does that happen in your area? Does like Is catalytic converter theft big? Dude, I am from Statesville, North Carolina. Uh, if you still have a catalytic converter in my town, like people think you're rich. Yeah. St. People Louis like is that way too, because everything's street parking. So they'll like, they'll wipe out a whole block. They'll come middle of the night and they'll be on one of those creeper dollies and they'll just creeper dolly underneath through pull and just fucking haul Gone. them all out. Yeah. That's and why like, I park you know, in a garage. Yeah. So, um, and like, you'll know every time there's been a new wave of them around here, because it, you'll hear everybody first thing like in the morning you, like i'm i'm used to a, a couple of noises that intrude upon my my inside my house life mm -hmm. right like uh when the guys come to pick up the trash on wednesday mornings i'll hear that at 4 30 in the morning i hear that when my mexican neighbors decide that everyone else in the neighborhood also needs to listen to mariachi at 11 o'clock at night i hear that um inside my house um, and then when someone uh, either like gets their catalytic converter stolen, I hear well for so four miles. 
with with older cars, it's really not that big of a deal. It you know the flow the flow stays more or less the same. But with with newer cars, they have sensors in the exhaust system to basically make sure that your exhaust is good enough to go out into the air because the EPA said so. And like like the Wienermobile here, they just won't start. Or they'll start and cut themselves off. Or they'll start and put themselves in limp mode to the point where they're completely worthless. Um, the Wienermobile got neutered. The Wienermobile did get neutered. It's fucked, man. The the world we live in, we're, we're even a, a Wienermobile, an icon of America, can't isn't safe from these, these ne'er-do-well stealing catalytic converters. You know what would make this solve this problem? Murder. Uh, specifically of everyone that runs the EPA, if we could go back in time and kill Jimmy Carter, you know, he's on death's door. We're going to have a big celebration when Jimmy Carter dies on the show, by the way. Okay. Uh, I hope, I hope everybody's ready. Uh, we're going to be playing ding dong. The witch is dead. I fucking hate Jimmy Carter so much. Um, but you know, the EPA, they mandated all this, these fucking fuel efficiency standards. Now we have fucking catalytic converters getting stolen off our cars so that a bunch of, you know, Less than economically viable, economically viable people, people that aren't economically viable will go out and fucking st- who are they sell them to. You got to know some guy shows up in your shop. He's like, yeah, here's 12 catalytic converters. Call the fucking police. No, they're selling to a chop shop or a fence or something. Yeah. But man, the EPA, have they ever done anything actually helpful? I mean, no. From all these regulations, you got to do catalytic converters. You have to have all these sensors on your car. They'll shut down your protection grid if you're not paying attention. You, they just need to go away. Yeah, they do. Um, so. Well, that is uh, that. That's it for the blackface lawyer news network. I'm calling the police too if you count the cows. And that takes care of our legal obligations this week, Buck. But you know it doesn't take care of? Replacing my catalytic converter? And if you want to help Buck replace his catalytic converter, you can visit us at patreon.com forward slash HWIDG, subscribestar.com forward slash HWIDG, or tip.hwidg.com. And uh, on Patreon and Subscribestar, we have five tiers. We have the one buck tier, which gets you early access to each episode, plus our monthly minisodes. We have our $2 tiers, where we throw the random bits and bobs we do now and again. Tim and I are in talks about doing a special bonus series. We'll see how that turns out. Right. Um, we have our $5 tier where we do our monthly bonus episodes. Here's what I do get where we drop the hate and talk about what's great. We have our $10 tier where you, the fans, submit a film. You vote on what film we watch. We watch a recorded feature on the commentary. And then finally, we have our $50 spite producer tier where you get a say in the show. You can demand a special guest. You can ask for like a special segment, um, extra bits, special bonus content, anything your heart desires that we can fulfill. We will try and do our best to fulfill. And we want to say thank you to all our supporters, be it yes. people who sent us tips like Sobram on Street with Stream Elements, uh, the subscribers on Subscribestar, the subscribers on Patreon and um Without you, we absolutely would not be doing this show anymore. This would have ended at 300 episodes instead of continuing forward as the longest consecutively running podcast on the See You Next Tuesday podcast network. And, um, and I dare say the best. I, it is the best. I will say it. I'll say it. Fuck yeah. Dick Masterson. I've, yes. I'm taking a heel turn against Dick. I'm going to show up to uh, – so I'm going to the WATP TDS <laughs> crossover in April. And I'm only going as a WATPer now. I'm turning against Dick. I'm gonna, you know, it's it hasn't worked for anybody else, but for me, it's gonna work. You know what? For you, it will. <laughs> I think you should start making Mad Cucks videos just about him. That's what they were originally, Buck. That was the joke. 
I, I, yeah, but I mean, like, but uh, in earnest this time. Uh, no, like, I don't so have bringing, any, <laughs> We're still friends, so like, you know, I don't I know, have any I problems. Um, I just know, like, his whole obsession with uh, Ralph or whatever that guy's name, that loser, oh, is geez. is off putting to me now. So so fucking tired of hearing about that guy. Like, I get that Dick is in, infatuated with like human train wrecks. Well, so Ralph is definitely one of them. Yeah. So like if, if, if there, there, if you know, Dick is, a, is fascinated by human train wrecks, wrecks, Ralph is Palestine, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were done with the new segment. Anyway. All right, so man, come on with your issue. Let's do this thing. Here's what I don't get. Entitlement. I agree. I don't get it either. There you go. End of, end of the show. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, theater I work for, we're undergoing a $2 million renovation this summer. Um, a lot of money. Well, yeah, we just got approved. It's a little bit over $2 million, but we just got approved for the money um, last week or the week before. It was it was like this big relief because the bids came in. They were, some of them were astronomically higher than the original like amount. And they were like, okay, what are we, they can't, they come back to me in my department. They're like, all right, what are we cutting out of this? Like, well, we can cut this, like that's $60,000. You need to cut 600 or $700,000 out of this. It's like, I can also cut a lot of money. I can also cut this. Okay. That's $40,000. We need to cut more out of this. It was like, it's like, well, if I cut this big thing, it still has to happen in the future. So then it was this whole process of meetings and like trying to just, anyway, so we got the can down the road. Yeah. Yeah. We got approved for the full scope and, um, well done. So we basically, we had to black out 12 weeks of our calendar starting in May through August to say, we need all this time to be able to do, do the thing. And That's prime theater season though, isn't it? Eh, it, it's it's summer season, so it you know it comes and goes. Gotcha. We normally have some downtime in that window, but it'll be like three weeks, maybe a month. <clears throat> so um, so we blacked out these dates, and then they come back and they're like, "Yeah, there's no way we can do it in twelve weeks. We need more." And so we finagled some stuff around. We canceled some events, and we said, "Okay, we can give you sixteen weeks." And they said. Might be able to do it in 16 weeks. Everything has to go super perfectly in order to do it in 16 weeks, but we might be able to do it in 16 weeks. So then it was, so it was like, okay, well, we'll have to have to figure out, you know, the, uh, we might be able to get you four more weeks. That'll get you 20 weeks. We can't get it done in 20 weeks. We got to just cancel the whole thing. So my boss goes to, you know, the 16 weeks ends right before this this group loads in. And I've been complaining about them in our signal group. And I've been complaining about them. I've, I've like talked about them, to, you know, indirectly yeah. on the show. I'm not going to name names. But they have the first show of the season after that 16-week block. And so right. my boss my boss goes to them and says, like, okay, hey, so here's the deal. We've got this renovation coming in. It's going to improve the functionality of the theater considerably. It's going to, you know, we, everybody has to make concessions because the thing is like <clears throat> in theater, we all are, your schedule is set years in advance. Like you have these groups you work with on recurring basis and they're, 
you may not know what show they're doing, but you know, uh, and you may not know like, oh, they're coming in on Monday, the 17th, but you know, like the third week of February, that's this group's, that's their week, right? The, the second, the, the first two weeks of February, that's this other group's couple of weeks and it changes year to year. So they like, they have the first show of the season and this other group has the second show of the season and so on and so forth. And, um, so my theater is subsidized by this corporation and the same corporation subsidizes this theater group that rents our theater. So it's all like fake money. We charge that theater group rent in the theater and they get money from the parent corporation to go to us. And so it's just, it's just like spreadsheet shuffling. Yeah. But the thing that I was told all throughout college and all throughout my entire career in theater is that theater is a collaborative art. Collaborative art means that it's never exactly what any one person imagines it'll be. It's, it's like everyone's kind of imagining they're willing this, this thing into existence and we hit like problems with time or problems with budget or problems with the ability of people that we're working with or, or whatever issues. So you and, we all, and we all have to compromise. Like <clears throat> I have this idea for lighting, but this person has this idea for set and the set will block the lighting. And so you have to like find this middle ground. And what ends up happening is we all kind of find this middle ground that we're all satisfied with as artists. And that's collaboration. Yeah, I and give, it's satisfying. I, yeah. I give a little bit. You give a little bit. We end up somewhere that we, we can both live. So my boss goes to the parent corporation and says, hey, parent corporation, here's the deal. We have to do this renovation. It has to be this year. Um, we need more time in the space. Would you be willing to subsidize this group in a space that this in a space that's not ours? essentially a space that will charge you what they they're owed. Cause we kind of fudge the numbers, you know, cause we're all, we're all one big happy family. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the parent corporation <clears throat> says, yeah, we got to get all this stuff done. We understand we'll, we'll foot the bill wherever they go. Don't worry about it. So my boss goes to the rental group and, they, and she says, I have great news. Um, we might have to push your dates back. We'll know more this summer, but Parent corporation, they're going to pay for it wherever you want to go. So, you know, you want to go to this venue or that venue, it's all taken care of. And the guy running this group, you know what he says? No. He says, okay, we like that idea. When are we going to get our third show in your theater? So now show number one needs to be in another venue. Show numbers two and three, they can be in our venue but he still wants to show three. Now I'm not a math, math major, right? But if they have, they do three shows in my theater, one show in a small black box and one show in another venue, that's five shows. That's a lot of shows. That's a lot of shows. And now we're saying, okay, we're taking away one of tabs theater shows, but we're going to put it in another venue. That's still five. Right now. Now he's saying, well, we need a third show in tabs venue. That would be show number six. six. So <clears throat> whereas all the other groups that rent our space, totally understanding. We we get it. Uh well, you know, the the group that we the group that was before them that we just had to push off that don't get the benefit of the parent corporation paying for wherever they go, they were like, We get it, it makes sense, we'll be better for it next year. We're all going to work together. We'll, it's we'll, only one year. You've given us a lot of notice so we can get it all figured out. Don't worry about it. Very gracious, gracious, nice people. 
we all have to work together to to have a better space that we can all work in. But not this other group. This other group, it's like, well, okay, that's fine. We'll go somewhere else, but we still want another space in Tab's Theater because we're owed that. Why are you fucking owed that? You aren't owed jack shit. If anything, you should have less fucking shows because you're not good at it. And here's here's the thing that really pisses me off, Buck. So I I've been I've been working in theater. I've been getting paid to work in theater since I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. This is year 15 for me. Uh when I when I turn I'll turn 32 this May and I'll be starting year 16. And half of my life will have been dedicated to this art. It it's not a lot. It's not like a big sum, but when you like consider it as a percentage of my life, and if you considered the time prior to that spent not getting paid to do it, right. theater has has been my life's work. When I wrote my senior thesis in college, that was that. that was my life's work because it was it was everything I had ever learned, every trek, every pointer, everything I had learned over the course of my career went into that paper. And I said, this is my life's work. This is everything that I, this is everything that I am, everything that I've done. And I've only gotten better. I'm really fucking good at this. Not to be too proud of myself, but I'm very fucking good at this. Like there's, there's no shame in saying what your skill set is. Yeah. So early on in the discussions to push their show back or move it to another venue against my better judgment, because I already do way more fucking work for these people than they deserve. I suggested, what if instead of them hiring outside designers, outside carpenters, outside everything, what if the people at Tab's Theater, Tab, his boss, the ATD, what if Robin. we, what if we did the show? What if we drew straws? You know, you design the set, Tab does the lights, other person does this and that. We build the show over the summer in the shop, which will not be affected by this renovation. So that on, you know, the final day of the renovation, they walk out the doors and we throw this set together. Roll it in. Yeah, we know the space really well. All of us, we know the space, we know the limitations, and and we can streamline their tech process because of our knowledge of the space. And, and my boss pitched that to this person that's once his, his sixth show. And, and he said, absolutely not. The people at Tab's Theater are not allowed to work on our shows. And I found it very offensive. It bothered me. It's, it's, it still bothers me. It, it bothered me immensely. It bothers me. Because whenever they come in with substandard scenic designers, substandard technical directors, substandard line designers, it's totally fine for myself and my counterpart to overexert ourselves to make their show happen. But when I offer to just do it, to fix the problem, I don't, and I wasn't like, I wasn't like, why don't we design the show? And you owe me my standard design fee. It was like, why don't we do the show? And we'll do it for free. So we're saving them money. <laughs> You'll get a fucking A grade, whatever the fuck I do for you, for zero dollars. That's a steal. That's a hundred percent decrease from my normal rates. 
No, absolutely unacceptable. We will not accept this work. But it's totally fucking fine for me to bend over backwards to make your shit work when your fucking worthless people come in there. So here's our second proposal is Tab takes his mic stand that Uncle Buck is holding and he shoves it all the way up your pee hole. The whole thing right now. So like, it's just, it's entitlement of so many different levels. Like you feel like you're entitled to the space. You feel like you're entitled to three slots in the space, regardless of what's going on. You're entitled to my expertise when it costs you nothing. But when I offer it to you graciously, the answer is fuck no. And uh, I, so this happened. I, I found out that I found out that like absolutely not on a Tuesday. And it uh, so Tuesdays are my days in the hot shop. And I've been really enjoying my time blowing glass, like blowing glass, like riding a motorcycle. You can't. It's, it's you, you do to like get out of your head. Yeah, you can't. There's there's so much going on. You cannot let the obtrusive thoughts in, or they'll they'll derail they'll what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, and it man, it fucked me. It fucked me up all day. It was a it was the worst fucking day I've had in the shop. I was fucking dropping shit on the ground. Shit wasn't fucking meeting up. And I I, I walked out of there and I was just I felt I, I felt like shit. I felt like shit going home because like nothing had worked. I put nothing in the box, not even a fucking cylinder. And, and I, you know, I was, I was disappointed in myself because I felt like I was growing. I felt like I was doing a good job. And then, and then it took me, it took me about a week. And I realized the reason why, the reason why I had such a bad day was because I never, I never stopped thinking about that. I never stopped thinking about absolutely not. We don't want Tab's help. And it's still like, I feel very agitated. I feel agitated in a way that's not related to the show. Thinking about the just complete dismissal. And well, it's, it's, it's so you, you, you brought in the issue as entitlement, but really I think you should retitle your issue as hubris mm. because that is an, that's, that's unmitigated there's another word I'm looking for. It's, it's essentially on par with unforgivable. Yeah. It's, 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 it's unacceptable. I, that's not, that's not strong enough. That's not mean enough. It's, it's hubris to the point that um, like it should be punished. Yeah. that It's deserving I, I, of, of retribution. I want them to go to another venue and I want them to kill themselves. No, I don't want them to kill themselves. I want them to <clears> fail. <throat> I want them to fail because um, I believe the only way to learn is failure, be it your own or learning from others, right? You can learn from your failings. You can learn from the failures of others. Success doesn't really teach you anything. Hey, that worked. Neat. You know, Thomas Edison said, I, I didn't find it that I found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb, you know? Yeah. I, my problem with entitlement is that, you know, so you were talking earlier in, in the episode about that uh, when you spend, you'll spend money on your kids. You know, your wife spends money on a thing, doesn't bother you. The kids need a thing, it doesn't bother you. But you spend $12 on yourself and you feel bad for it because you're a man. And men are, but we're biologically programmed to be providers. We don't want to take. I don't want to take, I'm not a taker. I want to earn the things that I get. And 
I would rather give than than receive. You know, I I want to create a world that's better for me being in it than suck away at the the dregs of the earth. And we that was a lot of our value to to leaving a net positive behind. Yeah, and that goes back to that mutual respect thing is that regardless of what we believe, you and I are both trying to do the right thing as often as possible. And that's what I've learned is that a lot of people aren't. A lot of people think that they're owed. We're owed tabs labor because we rented the theater. We're <clears throat> owed um, these services from others because we have this name. And I'm frankly fucking tired of it because yeah. you aren't owed shit. Um, you, everyone else has to earn their, their keep. And I'm just so tired of the people that there's the whole like anti-work Reddit thing that's going around of people complaining about having to go do a job and that we need universal basic income because you can't fucking put aside your autism. I'm autistic as shit. Do you know how many fucking stumbling blocks I hit early on in my career that if I could just communicate to myself back in time, hey, you shouldn't be like fucking a weirdo. You need to talk and smile at people. My my career would be a lot better off than it is now if I had known those things then. But you can't I you can't be taught that in a classroom. No. I just had to fail a bunch of times until I figured out, oh, people don't like someone who's dour and an asshole. All the time. They they yeah. think it's charming and, and witty when you come out once in a while. But when you smile, when you smile at someone, I was in a quick trip today and I did a thing I never fucking do. A guy walked into the quick trip and he's got a beanie on and the beanie has the local six bug on it. And I was like, local six. I want to get in with local six. I want to do stagehand work in the city that I live in now. But the easiest way into a local is to know someone. I don't know anybody yet. I thought eventually someone would show up to my theater that's local six and I could like, Schmooze. hey, yeah. hey. But this guy walks in, I buy my stuff, I turn around and I go, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry to bother you. I noticed your bug. I'd like the information about how to join your call list. And he said, can you hold on one second? He paid for his thing. He said, let me call you back. He was on an earpiece. And then, and then he said, he asked me some questions. I answered them sufficiently i guess and he said uh let me get your name i'll call and let people know that i met you um you need to go to this place and tell them who you are and i was like there it is there it is but when i was asking those questions i smiled like a human being not like a fucking weirdo not like a fucking weirdo it's like i'm the best stagehand on the face of the planet you should hire me please sir i smiled and i ingratiated myself i wouldn't have done that 10 years ago no nope. because i hadn't learned because i hadn't failed and these fucking people can't fail because they're entitled to people propping them up for no good fucking reason because because if I don't prop them up in exactly the right way, they'll call the parent corporation and tell them that I'm a problem. Well, you're a problem for them. Yeah. They'll call the parent corporation and say, that guy's a problem because... Because he expects something of us beyond what we are capable. Well, they're not going to word it that way, though. They won't. <laughs> word, they, they won't word it that way. They'll they'll word it a different way. That is that is not just a condemnation of my professionalism, but a condemnation of my character. And I try to have 
character that is above reproach. I try to avoid situations that are scandalous. I try to... I'm very proud of the fact that my employees show up an hour, two hours early for calls. Right? Not to clock in, not to get extra hours. They show up early to just come because I could come here because I am, you know, I'm going from point A to point B. Don't have enough time to go home, so I could go to this other place. But I'd rather come here and chat about this or that. Maybe, maybe go to get food nearby with some of the other people that get here early. Or I show up with food and we all sit down and eat together. That didn't used to happen. It used to be you showed up right before your call time and you got to work. That was it. But we fostered this community of people that care about one another so that when an employee had a, is having a problem and a lot of people came to me and they said, hey, this person's having a problem. Someone should reach out. And like that's community. You can't, no amount of competency in being good at things can build comp, can build that. You can't demand community. Like you said, the only way to get it is to be, you know, when you work together arm in arm, getting shit done, and you know that these people are going to take care of you. Well, and it takes intentionality. That's an environment you're talking about. And, and yeah. An environment. So there's a natural environment where people will get together and work, and it's terrible. And then there's an environment where people get together and they say, we're going to do something better and we're going to support each other. And it's, it's an intentional thing. God, I sound like I'm sort of a motivational poster, (laughs) but when everyone like works toward the same goal, then let me tell you what I'm all about there, uncle buck. (laughs) But, um, people work together towards a common goal and they have the same, like it's unifying. And then that, then you had that camaraderie that you're trying to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get what you're talking about. But these people are entitled to it. They feel like they feel like they should get my goodwill because because they they're there. We we should get your goodwill. We we should just be able to suck this community dry because we have the blessing. You know, we got the nod. It's like no, you don't deserve any of this. You deserve to be defunct. That's what you're entitled to because that's what you've earned. And somehow you conned everyone else into believing that you should be doing it. Well, it just you need a good reality check for them. Um, that's too true. I mean, listen, that's that's something I've, I think I've brought in as a do get on a bonus episode years and years ago. It's just a good reality check, uh, or maybe that was I think that might have been that was your final I, issue. Yeah, when I when I stopped doing the show the first time. Um, sometimes a reality check is just like this thing's like oh. Like when you're when you're working with faulty data about anything, it inhibits it, it inhibits what you're doing, uh, and you're not going to get the the maximal result. So when someone has a faulty data set about their abilities, their place on the totem pole or the pecking order, and then it creates all it creates problems. Like obviously, one of the problems is. Uh, they've offended you and then you are going to be less willing to work with them because of their hubris. And so, and because of their unwillingness to recognize the correct data. So a good reality check. And I think reality checks only come through, as you said, uh, a harsh reality presenting itself in an undeniable fashion. In your case, you're talking about failure. 
Yeah, they need to, so, they need to fall flat on their fucking faces. I I I think it's a little bit more than Reacher. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I think it's a little bit more than faulty data, right? Like I'm be, I'm being very generous when I when you're, I use you're being very generous like because I think they know. I think they're unwilling to face the data. Well, that's a different thing. So that's um, and I think that's the hubris is that you're you're talking and and in my in my phrasing, that's the entitlement. The entitlement is that we don't have to acknowledge this bad data because it'll just the problem will just solve itself. And and the truly the here's the really truly frustrating part of it is that so you know you talked about how does the department change in your issue you know with we have all these ideas and they get ignored the way the department changes is that you overturn more than 90% of the staffing in it and you bring in a bunch of people that don't know the status quo and thus can't perform to the status quo and that's what's happened in my current situation is that there are there are so many 75% of my specific department is I'm the, I am the oldest of that 75%. Let that sink in. I started this job in June. Um, our parallel departments are all there. They're even less than I am too. And the couple of people that have are like, Oh, we've been here for a while. And we're complaining about these things They go, Oh yeah, we've been having these same complaints for 10 years. And I'm just like, how, how, how is the problem not getting fixed? And it's like, well, everybody's just kind of acquiesced and giving in and, and let them do their thing. I'm like, that's why, that's why this is happening because we, you allow, you allowed them to run roughshod over everyone. And now they think, oh, we're entitled to you fixing our fucking fuck ups, but we're not willing to, uh, to take that hand of, you know, brotherhood and generosity to work together in a collaborative art. I don't want that. I just want you to come in and and rescue us when we fuck it up. And coincidentally, I have scheduled myself in such a way that their next show, I won't be present for most of the the setup and the execution of. So what you're saying is you're setting them up to fail. Not intentionally. Without, well, you're, you're doing it in a way... It's not that you're explicitly setting them up to fail, but you're creating an environment where their likelihood of failure is increased to some degree yeah. by you not being there. Yeah. I, so I, you know, I cleared it out a, lot, a little while ago. I was like, I, you know, I've got these offers to do other shows. I'd like to go do them because I like to be creatively fulfilled in my life. And I also like to take these vacations and, um, and as such, I'm looking at the calendar. I'm like, man, I'm gone for all this fucking prep work for your show. And then I show back up when you show up. And so good luck with that shit. You fucks. Uh, yeah. Now I, th I think, I think you've, that's another, that's another example of problem solving. <laughs> well done. I'll leave it there. That's my well issue entitlement. Um, and that's, that's been, here's what I'll get. I'm Tad Burt. I'm uncle Buck. Catch you guys next week. Bye-bye.
If you want to call into the Heroes Around Get Hotline, call us at 704-750-9434 and tell us what you don't get. Or you can visit us in Discord under voicemail upload. And I would just also like to say while Buck is here on the show, because he does not get enough accolades, that is a banging theme song. Everybody always everybody always dances to it during the you know, you'll if you watch the YouTube video, you'll see us all kind of bobbing back and forth while it's playing. Yeah. Um I don't know if you remember this, but I cannot take one hundred percent credit for how catchy that is. Fiverr horns. horns. Yeah. Yeah, the horns. The horns make it. Um I thought about uh re-recording the the intro because I I have better gear and I have, you know, I can do better at recording. I was like, I'm never gonna get those horns done like that again. Like that's that's never gonna happen. I don't even think Joel knows that guy anymore. Uh, and uh, if they do, like, I'm not sure that guy didn't like write him off. So, uh, I, I oh, hold on, I know, I know a really good horn player. Well, the thing is, the guy that did those horns is like a world class orchestral composer. So, um, like we, the like we we got a free miracle. That this this catchy theme song. I will say I had a lot of fun. We didn't have the horns, obviously, but I had a lot of fun when we went to Atlanta. Uh, we played the theme song live on stage. Yeah, uh, that was. I really man. I wish you could have been there. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, we played Nick Ricada's theme song with him standing there on stage. That was fun. Um, I don't know. Just did a lot of weird weird stuff. Oh, yeah, well, yeah sometimes. Oh, go ahead. So so sometimes when I'm at church and I play guitar there. And like we're in between songs or someone's fiddling with this or we're having this problem. I'll kind of go over off to the side and I'll go. And everyone's like, that sounds so familiar. What is that? I'm like, no, you don't know that. God, I hope you don't know that. Maybe that's it. It sounds pretty close to the King of Hill theme. I can see that. That I didn't, I didn't draw inspiration from that. I was noodling around with like something. I don't. I was like, the, what came first was the beep, 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 and the the shape, the chord shape mm. of that little lead was n- new and novel to me, and I was playing around with it. And then I was like, oh, that would be like a cool kind of ska kind of thing. And then the next thing I know, there's a podcast, and you know, just kind of. Next thing you know, we're at 326 episodes, and we're the longest consecutively running and uh, consecutively good podcast. On the See You Next Tuesday Network. <laughs> I you know that a day is going to come. It'll take several years, but a day will come when we surpass the Dick Show as just the longest running. Um, and, and I will also, take, I will that day when that episode posts, I will just sh- I will do nothing but harass Dick via text message all day. All day will just, just be like, oh, what are you at? What are you at? Three seven, you know, f- five hundred thirty four episodes. We just post five thirty five. You fuck, and I'll just be like, ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> What's um, biggest problem at now? Oh, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> how many cats has Vito jerked off with the key? Um, so uh, I have noticed an up an upsurge, and you've noticed this as well, like on Reddit or the Facebook. Uh, Dick Show Group, the little here's why I don't get references have increased lately. I th- and yeah. I think it's our listeners uh, proselytizing. So I think uh, our, our little uh, here's why I don't get evangelists uh, have been have been uh, you know very very good. Yeah, someone was asking the other day about Mad Cucks, like on Facebook, on Discord. Yeah, I sent you that, and um, 
That's why that's why Mad Cooks retired gracefully. You know, everyone's everyone's yeah. like, man, remember Mad Cooks? That was pretty great. As opposed to being like, the- remember remember Stereos? Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, remember Uncle Buck? Oh God, he's back. Yeah, what the hell's that all about? Remember well, Joe Taco? Been. Joe Taco is right. Let's change this board back to zero. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's our first voicemail this week. Let's do it. Here's what I do get. Oh. The latest voicemail trend of dramatic readings of classic literature. Man, that gets me every time. The only thing it needs is uh, like some classic music behind it. Like that one song, I'm not sure what it's called. It's called Be Perfect Behind It. Really brings the class of the show up. What What is that? Look it up in post. Yeah, I'll look it up and post. Drop a drop a voiceover right here. Hey, by the way, guys, I looked it up. It was no, I don't have to do that on your guys' episodes because you fuck it up. <laughs> that was a lot of fun though. I I so there's now I, I a, had to... a secret Discord channel where I have the the descriptions of things so that you guys can't fuck it up the next time I'm not here. Oh, you you entirely <laughs> underestimate my ability to not do my homework. Uh, but I will give you kudos because me and Joel the whole time were like, Tab's never going to do it. Oh, I realized. No, the funny thing was when I was editing that episode, I was like halfway through the first issue and I was like, ah, fuck, I'm going to have to record some stingers on this shit. And you get to the you get to the Patreon read and they're like, oh, yeah, Tab, you fucking insert something in here. He won't do it. Fuck that guy. (laughs) I was like, you sons of bitches. Did you leave those in or did you like like idiots? Cut down a little bit of it. I think I cut out where you said that Tab won't do it. Uh, you should have left it in just to make me look like more of a joke. That, that, that I, no, would be the I, joke. Yeah, I didn't want to do it that that though. Uh, I figured uh, if people want, that's why that's why you, you got to watch it live. Watch it on YouTube. It's unedited. Yeah, uh, those are half one. the fun. Denise, this is Kay. I just wanted to tell you, uh, I'm out of bird seed, the pine seed, so I need some. So. Uh, I guess maybe we can wait till tomorrow to get it. But I just wanted you to know I'm out of bird season. All right, bye. I guess we better get right on that. Everyone go to the Patreon right now. Uh, what'd she say her name was? <laughs> Denise, this is Kay. All right, Kay needs bird seed. Uh, so obviously her message didn't. Denise, this is Kay. Yeah, Kay, Kate, Kate, Kate. K. K. Yeah. K-A-Y, that's a name. Yeah. She needs birdseed. Listen, man, I'm just saying, obviously, Denise did not get the message. That uh, someone someone was uh, accidentally unprofessional with their with their calling the wrong number. I think it's up to uh, the, the, the patrons to get her the birdseed that she needs. Yeah. We'll see to uh, it that un- she gets Unfortunately, it. there's no phone number on that, so her birds are dead. it's a dead bird walking those birds were felt entitled to bird seed anyway so fuck them yeah fuck birds here's what I don't get Uh, people who apparently think that if google maps or apple maps or whatever the hell doesn't show show the right address on there that the address doesn't exist like I know google maps and apple maps are a lot better than they be but still, there's been plenty of times where somebody's to 
for example, West 12th, so the address East 12th. And then in our case, we have customers with geography. So we call up the customer. So, and these people will say, hey, your address doesn't exist. The customer will say, no, it does. I'm standing right here. And the last uh, are you over by such and such? No. By the high school? Well, high school's on this 12th. You don't need to get to the other side. Like, no, I don't. It's like, what the fuck? Like, the customer knows where they're standing. The customer knows where they're standing. <laughs> but, I don't know. People apparently can't think unless the smartphone thinks for them. It just boggles my mind. Yeah. So I used to, I used to work at this, um, I worked at this, it was a Jupiter jump place. You know, you go inside, it was like inside Jupiter jumps, you do a book, a party, like a birthday party and you jump sure, around. Yeah. A, a trampoline park. Yeah. Yeah. But these were, you know, it was like, so we had like a big slide. We had a jousting arena where you could like fight your oh, friend cool. on a pod. Uh, there was an obstacle course and there was one more. It might've just been like a, plane jumping area but um so we were at like oh, I, I don't remember the exact address but we were on 61st street which is also called albany in in so 61st street in tulsa meets albany in broken arrow but it's the same street right gotcha so we're between between 129th and 145th the address was like 136 136 something something uh albany street or and for whatever reason google maps had the address in the wrong spot when you maps to it and we got calls all the time uh yeah i'm trying to find the jupiter jump place um i'm at the walmart on 71st and 145th i'm gonna go yeah uh google maps has us in the wrong spot we're on 61st between 129th and 145th. Very simple. If you live in Tulsa, you know exactly where I'm talking about. And they would go like, well, but but Google Maps took me over here. Google Maps, Google is, Maps wrong. is wrong. Yeah. And then they and then they would argue on the phone. It's like, okay, I understand you're you're not in the right spot. I understand your Google Maps took you there. You're not stupid. But you need to fucking listen. And Follow the directions data. I'm giving you, and they they would wouldn't do it, and I'd just be like, "Well, have fun at your fucking Jupiter jump party inside the Walmart, you dumb bitch." Click. It's like someone feels too entitled to uh, admit that Google Maps was wrong. They're entitled to, to Jupiter jump to be where they are instead of going to where Jupiter jump is. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was so it was the same conversation over and over and over again. It was just like, yes, I know. It's in the wrong spot. Uh, here's the last one. Hey, um, so I am from the USA and from Canada. And so, um. Okay, you can only be one or the other, right? You're either born. How unfortunate. In the USA like or you're born in Canada. That's kind of like, um, do you remember when you were living in North Carolina? Did you ever go to Carowinds? I don't think so. Carowinds is a, a a theme park that's right on the border of North and South Carolina. Yeah. And there's a brick line that bifurcates the park. And it's literally, you can straddle the state line. 
I think this person was like born on straddling. Our mom was straddling the border and plopped her out right there. Plopped her out. Yeah. Right on the border of U.S. Like with the security guards or maybe it was in the woods. I don't know. See, that's the biggest adjustment of moving to St. Louis is that like I'll just drive into another state for shit. Tulsa, Tulsa was not, it's not centrally located like Oklahoma City, but we're an hour from the border, you know, at at least. And so I would go to Arkansas sometimes, but it would be like, I'm out doing a thing. I'm driving, you know, this distance and then I'd cross in Arkansas or pop over to Fort Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And here it's just like, oh, I'm going to go to Illinois for the afternoon. It feels, it feels weird to me anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry I called a little late. Um, so, uh, I am doing a YouTube video, and I was wondering if, uh, for proof, if this is non-toxic. So, if you could call this number back, and not really, just, I just want to know if it's non-toxic. It says this, but it stained my whole bed because my cousin was doing a project and it like we had to buy a new bed it went through the whole entire bed and even through the floor so yeah bye-bye so that sounds like another one of those uh accidental numbers send that girl some bird seed again unknown number no idea who it was i i like this 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 turn of us <laughs> just randomly getting it started with me yeah uh, do we ever get our check from Colonial for that story I made up? Oh, you know what? Um, they sent us a check, but it bounced because apparently they went out of business. They said that uh, there were the the customer service people were so uh, unprofessional that they weren't able to keep enough customers and they went under. Well, there goes my thirty thousand dollars I was banking on. So yeah, yeah. What it so is. I guess we'll have to keep doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah. What a what a shame. Patreon.com slash hwig tip.hwg.com couple weeks yeah, it really uh, sucks i fucking hate this what, guy so much he comes bag. this fucking stupid <clears throat> bullshit fucking stuff oh my job is so hard fuck fuck fucking me theater faggot cunt oh, anyway fucking, oh i gotta <laughs> put these fucking bullshit food in a box or some shit i gotta go to these meetings yeah. <laughs> i love how um now there's a conspiracy i shouldn't say this there is a conspiracy theory that affects my, it is directly related to my employment. Yeah. And I can 100% tell you it's not true, even though I kind of wish it was. So Ooh. now I'm, in, now I'm enticed. Uh, Cause uh, I think we might've talked about it in the signal group and I can talk to you about it after. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, I, I like, think I remember you talking about it in the signal group. So I was like, Hmm. Like I, th- that would be hilarious if it were true, and I would love to know that it were true. But I, I would know because I, I would see the evidence of it, and so like, like it would, for that to be happening, I it would it would have to be, like cer- certain people would have to be involved for that to happen, and I am in the chain of those people that would have to be involved. And you haven't fucked enough kids, so you're not you haven't been looped in. Maybe that's it. That's that's definitely it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess yeah. I better get busy. I don't think you should, Buck. Like, you know, I can be a part of this cool conspiracy. HWG has a very strict no pedophiles <laughs> policy on our show. 
Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Um, <laughs> I will say that um, that that conspiracy was taken very seriously. And like by your were, office, uh, by your the people you work with, or by like the internet, the the entire corporation. Oh, like there were there were internal meetings about like I can't I can't say a whole lot, but I can say that it was taken very seriously, and um, like we are not allowed to talk to the press. We were explicitly told this. Like if people show up outside of work picketing. Like, don't go outside. Do not engage in violence. And I was like, we have a, a tower. We got like the perfect vantage point for picking those motherfuckers off. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, th- throw throw eggs at them because apparently we have them. So um, throw someone up in that to- that tower, but not Lee Harvey because like that guy can't fucking hit a, the broadside of a barn. I'm gonna leave that one alone. But yeah, so I think it's kind of funny that like, I don't know, yeah. Uh, when there's like this national conversation about something that you're intimately involved and knowledgeable of, and you're like, Oh, well, that's kind of, that's kind of not happening. And you're like, and, and then you're like, is it? you know that so many conspiracies are right. And so you're like, but not this one. And then everyone's like, Oh, you're a shill. You're a shill. like, I'm kind of not like, you see the hat I wear. Like I just, I just like kind of barking up the wrong tree on this one. Unfortunately. So I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, that is that is weird. Uh, anyway, so that's Catch that's uh, all week. I have to say on that <laughs> before I get fired. 